Hey everyone, welcome back to Top Drawer Podcast. Adam and Alex here with you after match week 11. We are recording here uh, Tuesday night, as always, unless we don't. Um, had a good weekend, lots of goals scored. We only had nine matches. Villa and Newcastle were out. Um, so uh, shortened, I know I know a lot of you are probably tuning off because the Villa-Newcastle uh, content will be will be less than normal. Uh, on this show however we did have some good matches some good goals some moments to talk about so we're going to jump right into it we're going to hit you with the rundown death taxes and calvert lewin scoring from inside two yards but the three points were shared as everton's early season successes continue to slip like holding water in your hands burnley won everton won nothing more than a business trip for city as they dropped fulham 2-0 west ham invoked the kiss of death by scoring first as some second-half substitutes bring United back for their fifth come-from-behind win in a row. United 3, West Ham 1. Olivier Giroud may be 34, but he still looks good. Plus, he's still pretty good at soccer. His goals brings Chelsea back level, as Zuma and Pulisic's second-half goals are enough to keep Chelsea's winning ways intact as they finish 3-1 over Leeds. Even we can't defend Eastern European nightclub FC after they allowed Christian Benteke to score a brace. Palace 5, Eastern European Nightclub FC 1. 2007 and 2008 Derby County is loving Jamie Vardy as he keeps their dream alive of not being the worst Premier League team ever anymore by scoring a 90th minute winner and then promptly destroying a corner flag in Leicester's 2-1 win over Sheffield. Kane assists son, son assists Kane, rinse and repeat. Plus, some Arteta and Pep slandered from Jose in the post-match. Tottenham stay top the league and are tops in the North London Derby, 2-0. Once a red, always a red, as Connor Cody chests a beautifully weighted pass from Jordan Henderson down straight into the path of Mohamed Salah, putting him in on goal to open the scoring. Liverpool add three more as they route Wolves, 4-0. Danny Ings is back on the pitch, so naturally, he's back in the goals, as his 81st-minute penalty earns Southampton the three points. Southampton 2, Brighton 1. All right, that's it. Match week 11. Alex, how you doing? I'm doing pretty all right. We had a pretty decent weekend to get to. Like you said, Newcastle and Villa out, so we don't get to see Grealish's uh, short shim pads and tiny socks. And but, tiny shim pads. And... But, you know, uh, uh, we live and we move on. Yeah, we, uh, we, will, uh, we will endure. We will endeavor to endure. Indeed. Um, we had a lot of goals this, this weekend, which I think is, is the upside to missing out on Grealish's calves. Um, yeah, it was nice. Uh, it was kind of like back to the beginning of the season where everything was just flying in left and right. Mm-hmm. You know, everything. Uh, defense was an option Yep, that not many sides picked up. And uh, you just threw inhibition to the wind and said, fuck it. And there we went. Which is some of the best soccer that you're going to get. At least yeah, I enjoyed it. Ramping up to the holidays. I suppose. I think we can confidently say that we're in the season now we're we're there yeah it is the the christmas season is upon us mm-hmm. um whether your outside christmas markets are in full swing or if you're locked in your home it, it's here uh and and no no place is that more present or soon to be present than in england in the premier league indeed 
We have uh, fans back in the stadiums for the first Man, time this wasn't week. Wasn't that so outstanding? It's fantastic to watch. Even if it is 1,200 at a time, up to 2,000, whatever it is, um, it's nice to see that. I mean, I think we've all missed that. I'm sick of hearing mm-hmm. assistant coaches on, yeah, on the bench yeah. scream about who knows what and what language they're talking. Yeah, it was nice to see um, the fans show some uh, some – some great moments of class and respect mm-hmm. as the PL continued the no room for racism. Indeed. Um, every, everyone I saw uh, rounds of applause and appreciation for it, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's unfortunate that I even can say that as that seems to be the bare fucking minimum that any decent person should do. Correct. Uh, however, uh, in some lower tier sides, um, you didn't see that. No. Which, surprise. Who would have thought Millwall, right? Yeah, right. Weird. Although, just as a side note, uh, did you hear that they weren't going to be kneeling for it uh, when they played QPR? There was a bunch of stuff like QPR's president or team principal discouraged QPR and kneeling earlier in the year because he said the message had been diluted. So allegedly, after Millwall fans booed when they kneeled, that it came out that they were going to lock arms in a sign of solidarity. Who, Millwall or QPR? Millwall and QPR, I, I guess, together. Sign because of apparently, solidarity against the movement. Against racism. Uh, like, I guess you can you can lock arms, but you can't kneel. If, if, I don't understand. Anyways, uh, so allegedly, not allegedly, literally, I didn't see it, but uh, QPR scores quite a nice goal, I guess. And supposedly, uh, I saw the picture of two of them, but someone shushed the crowd and then him and another took a knee and raised the fist at the Millwall yes, fans. Yes, yes, like, this is this is what I live for. Oh, that is just taking the absolute piss. And good for them. Good, good for them. them. Fuck Millwall. But back here, up to the top, up to the first division. Yes. Um let's uh I wanted to I wanted to talk about Chelsea. They were the last match of the first day of mm-hmm. Saturday. Uh and they're flying, man. They have um, they've got eight wins in their last nine and unbeaten overall in their last sixteen matches. I mean, we keep harping on Kepa being gone and 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 Eduardo Mendy being the real deal and and turning them into a legitimate side. I mean, they looked it. Yeah, they definitely looked it on uh, on Saturday. Um, we, we we've been him and hawing over what we think of Frank Lampard. And I still don't know that I'm a hundred percent on him, but I will say the team he's put together and the players that have uh, came in have really kind of coalesced, maybe not necessarily around Frank, but around the team as a whole and the club as a whole, because they are flying right now. Yeah. I, I think what strikes me the most surprising is how well Kurt Zuma and Tiago Silva have played mm-hmm. together. Zuma is scoring like he's bagging. I think he's got like four on the season. Four. He's so got far. the same amount as Sheffield United do in total. <laughs> God bless you, Chris Wilder. <laughs> um, yeah, but so Zuma's, you know, he's playing really well. Um, and Thiago Silva, which look, we knew he had class, right? Yeah. Everyone knows he's a, a great defender. However, he's you know on the wrong side of fifty. Yeah. Or forty, or you know, late thirties. Right. Obviously. Insert but, joke here. It's only going to last for so long. So if they can keep that together, Reese James, everyone knows he's a great talent down the right side. Mm-hmm. Their defenses look great. And like you said, they've got interchangeable pieces. I mean, they just put Conte in the middle. 
and then everybody else just go forward. Well, and that right? and that's I think really the big part is, is Conte helps so much. We've seen we saw that with him at Leicester. We've seen that with him the past what three or four or five years here at Chelsea. Yeah. You know, sticking him there, you could put two pieces of uh, wood planks at center back, and you'd probably only let in one or two. You'd probably you be all right. You could even put someone like Mason Mount in front of him, and yeah, hypothetically, yeah, and literally, because yeah, literally, yeah. But I mean, it also helps when you when you keep possession of the ball. Uh, when you have Ziyech going forward, Mason Mount going forward, um, when you're able to keep the ball on the opposite side of the pitch, your defense can sit can just ease off a little bit, which is nice. It's amazing. To see. It's amazing um, what you can do. And I, you bringing that up reminded me of a, a really, it was a really cool graph I saw today uh, in my Liverpool of uh, the Detroit Supporters Club group. Mm-hmm. So as a side note. Have you ever noticed that all these new graphs, they're like always in some different form and I have to fucking some, study the graph for like six minutes to be like, okay, what am I reading yes. here? And where <laughs> I see there's data, but like what direction am I flowing? This one was a square, but it was on its point. So it was like a diamond okay. and then it had four quadrants and then, you know, like an X through it. Yeah. I'll show it to you. But it was basically about um, where teams exist on the pitch. And so the top quadrant, was the majority of the play is in the opponent's final third. Mm-hmm. There's one to the left. The The left one is the majority of play is in the midfield. Um, the one to the – I forget them all then. Obviously, there's one uh, – the one to the right is end-to-end, and then the bottom one is it's heavy just, defensive yep. in your own end. So, like, Everton, Burnley, Sheffield, I mean, just flooded in the bottom. Liverpool is, like, the top of the fucking Christmas mm-hmm. tree. I mean, it's at the – you could not be any higher on it then city below it and that was basically it united was kind of just in the periphery of it yeah it was a really cool graph and it, and it kind of showed and you can you can break down possession and this and all this stuff and you know forward passes and and uh you know xg and xa and mm-hmm. all that stuff but at the same time you know kind of like in hockey they talk about puck luck who just put it on that right you got to be in that offensive zone to get goals and you know Chelsea's figured out if we just buy all of this nice young attacking mm-hmm. talent in Europe we might be able to to win it and and to be fair when you initially had Kepa as your goalie you kind of got to just say okay we're just going to forget about that because it doesn't matter what we do as long as he's there we're fucked yeah and we just got out we, we got to play forward win yeah. 7-6 right yeah i mean and that kind of seemed like we're where the uh I don't even want to call it a plan, but kind of they fell ass backwards into a plan that was all right, paid all this money for Kepa, we gotta use him for now at least. Defense is shit, everything's shit, but we have these Cadillacs up front, or let's get some Cadillacs up front, some Ferraris at the top, and let's just see if we can hold the ball and score more goals than the other team puts on us. And you know, you can win four three all your games throughout the year, and if you do, you're gonna be champions. But that's probably not the best strategy to to for for long term football success. I don't think yeah, that's what's going to get you there. 2014 Liverpool just called and said, "Don't try yeah, it. Don't it do it. It won't work." <laughs> um, and and what's even funnier is, not only are they scoring a lot and they've fixed their defensive woes. Mm. I mean, what was really impressive in this is, I mean, they even had a goal cleared off the line by Timo Werner, mm-hmm. like a Chelsea goal cleared off the line. Yeah. Mason Mount early in the first half 
plays a corner in, and I don't know if it takes a flick on, but it's going to the far post. It is going in. Mm-hmm. Werner is at the far post. So he he doesn't need to do anything, and it's a goal. He swings his foot at it for some weird reason. Yep. His his inside foot, his right foot, and he just saves the ball. It goes in off I, the cross, or I, pops off, off the crossbar, comes out. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my God, and then you still win 3-1, like in spite of your striker taking a goal off the board. Right. Like that's some Harry Kane shit, right? Christian Eriksen's yeah. about to score from no, 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 the corner. No, 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 you can't score. Like, no, no. This is my goal and nobody's getting it type of yeah. thing. Yeah. They, um, there was uh, the thing that I, I, I noticed. So Patrick Bamford scores to open early oh, in the first half. What a pass so a tale, that was. Yeah, a tale as old as time, a like – nine times loaned out player who never played for Chelsea comes back to score against mm-hmm. them. Stop me. If you've heard five this years before. at the club, never started a match. Never, never once. Uh, as a great goal. And it looks like, okay, maybe we're on, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe this is, you know, Bielsa has shown up. Wasn't yeah. the case. Wasn't the case. And man, at no point was it more evident than in Giroud's, uh, uh, in his opening goal. Mm-hmm. Because if you watch that, that back line is all over the place. He has he has two defenders near him, and then the third defender behind him is about a yard and a half further playing him on. Yeah. I mean, they're inside the six yard box, and Reese James puts a, a, a great ball in, and you know the old spice man throws his foot at it, and he's not going to miss from there. No. Um. Yeah, I mean, we we said at first and get the ball in the box, especially when you have a striker like uh, Giroud sitting there. Um, but he had two center backs on him, and I don't know what the left back was doing sitting inside the six yard box with Giroud. I don't know why he wasn't. I understand the play was a little narrow to begin with with Ziyech, and then he kicks it out to a flying down the wing Reese James. Overlap, I get yep. that, but you need to understand as a left back that there's two center backs on Giroud. I don't need to be standing right here, right. Ziyech has somebody on him, and you can see 40 yards away, here comes Reese James just sprinting down the pitch. I wonder what right. he's going to do. Take a step out. Yeah. Get towards the edge of your box. I mean, and that's why they, you know, the, the main goal is stop the cross. Yeah. Don't let the ball come into the box. Mm-hmm. Stop the cross. I mean, you know, I, I, I see it all the time. Virgil, that's one of the main things he yells when I'm watching Liverpool, God rest his soul, Mm -hmm. is, I mean, he'll yell, he's, Robbo, stop the cross, do your job. And, like, that is drilled into them. Yeah. Because you cannot score if that ball cannot get in the box. Right. And so when you lay off like that and you invite the ball in and then couple that with not having any intention of playing the ball because – Neither defender blank, uh, bracketing Drew made no. any move. No, they were just standing the there. They just wanted to be in Which the general me, area. Yeah, I mean, part of me thinks like, okay, well, maybe they thought he was offsides because you see that third defender back playing like wildly out of, mm-hmm. I don't want to say out of position, but not holding a line with them. Yeah. I don't know. It, it was rather uninspiring defending, to say the least. And then, and it, then you know, and then it the edge goes, goes down. Yeah. Ziyech goes down, right? So now... Big loss. Because that's right about the time where they really started humming offensively. Mm-hmm. Mendy came in and shored up defensively, but offensively they became a lot more um, 
reliant or not reliant uh reliable on what their output was going to be right right they they you knew that they were going to put it together and with him out i mean pulisic comes up he was injured early in the year he's back on now um does he take his spot you know mason mount can't only hit free kicks he's going to have to have some open play here yeah i mean who do you to who do you take and you put in that 10 role or who do you put in that attacking eight role right who do you you have players that on paper fill that that spot but who do you have that right cuz cuz Pulisic was there although hurt uh Mount was there and Havertz oh, Havertz yeah he was there and then he went out for a little while and now he's back i mean i think he's probably the most obvious slot out of out of who I they I would poss- still put him in and and Pulisic up at in your 10 yeah. Right. Well, right. So, so the idea is, who, who do you, who's your playmaker? Who, who's that? I mean, it's going to be Mason Mount. Which, if that, then, like, I'm not a Chelsea fan, but that makes me like violently ill yeah. thinking about it. I don't know that that's. Like, don't worry, I'll pull the strings. Right. You know, you have to play it on open play, right? Mm. This isn't just free kicks. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know the extent of his injury. If it's just a pulled muscle, kind of looked like he was just grabbing his hamstring or something his or other. Yeah. yeah. Um. So hopefully it's nothing serious for Chelsea fans and, and for the club. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, just to make it a United reference, you know, if Bruno Fernandez goes out, right, when, I mean, we're, maybe not this year, but, like, last year after restart, if he just, you know, goes away, what do we do? I don't right. know that we maintain that the momentum. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if he doesn't come back, who slots in that role. And this, I think, will be a big test for Frank on how he can – maintain the system and find somebody who can he can slot in there that will f- fulfill the role maybe not excel at it as zh does but uh at least be adequate enough to fulfill it agreed agreed and that you know speaking of the system moving on you know liverpool we're gonna jump onto that we stay in the goals but talking about a, a coach's system or a manager's system um, it's mad how Fabinho is arguably the best defensive midfielder in the world and also like a top five center back in the league already. Mm. I mean, he's given up less goals than Van Dyke. Van Dyke scored. I mean, in, yeah. like, so, you know, we'll, we'll sell Virgil for, you know, 300 million pounds, buy Mbappe and just keep Fabinho back there. Right. Have fun with that. I I want to go on record that I would never, ever do that. We'll just buy Mbappe straight up, but I mean, I would just, I would just get rid of Mad Tip and Gomez and put Fabinho. Are back you kidding there, me, put, Matt? Oh, put Fabinho see. back there with Virgil. What are you talking about? No, Mad Tip. I love my Joel Mad Tip. The guy. Just give me, you know, like in the U.S., whenever there's a big like college football match or like the Super Bowl, and they have like seven different channels and all these different camera angles, mm-hmm. like a referee angle, and then the coaches, and then like this. Give me a Joel Matip angle when he's on the field because the guy is the weirdest human being ever. Just, just, I'll send you some like no context Joel Matip videos. <laughs> there, All right. And you'll just be wondering what the hell is this human being doing? Anyways, um, so Liverpool 4 0, like I said, Connor Cody, uh, once a red, always a red. What a lad. Henderson plays a ball in over the top, and you see the Wolves defender has it covered only to chest the ball down in behind himself mm. into Mohamed Salah's path. But what I wanted to talk about... I have an FIA uh, stewards investigation on that one there. Yeah. Um, Connor Cody then does the opposite, right? Um, 
he's not going to be able to go to uh, to any bars in Liverpool after that. He goes down in the box, and a penalty is given. Hmm. For Sadio Mane was going to clear the ball over his head, made contact with Connor's foot. Connor goes down, penalty given, and VAR reviews. Come to find out, Mane pulls his foot back. He never touches Connor. He throws his legs out and hits the deck. And here we are in 2020, mm-hmm. and VAR sees it, and they overturn it. I couldn't believe my eyes. The correct call given. Now, granted, we are Livar Pool, right? You know, that's how, that's how they won the league. Bread and was, butter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so from there, I mean, the goals just continue. Uh, great goal by Gini Vinaldum. Which also. Joel Matip. And then Nelson Semedo with the icing on the cake. And then I'll let you get to it. I don't want to forget this. Nelson Semedo's last two matches, he has lost at Liverpool on aggregate 8-0. Mm. His last match was with Barcelona in the 4-0 comeback for the Champions League. And now another 4-0 now at Wolves. Not great. Not a great setup. Um, so how does VAR not give, and maybe this is in the rules and I'm just not as familiar as I probably should be, Red cards are reviewable by VAR. Now, is the lack of a red card given reviewable by VAR? Because if the answer is yes, then a no-contact dive in the box or anywhere on the pitch should at minimum... I know they don't review yellows, so maybe that's where this is a trip up because it wouldn't be a straight red, I suppose. Yeah. But, I don't and know. That's what I have written right here. I go, how how is, if it's, how is it not a yellow for simulation? And it might be devil in the details about the rule where when the rule was written that you can't review yellows these are those fringe instances that you can't think of okay well a penalty is given but var overturns it and because there was nothing there for the right. penalty since the point it inherently becomes yes. simulation right. which is a yellow however because it was detected in var you can't you can't give it right. which is you know that's like one of those things that's found and then you hope in the off season, you know, I don't know if you hope, but in those instances where you find something, yeah. you know, the devil in those details where you go, oh shit, the way we wrote this precludes us, although we should give it, we can't. Yeah, we are physically bound from not giving it. And yet this becomes a binary choice. If not this, then this. It's simple logic. However... There was just this bar of rules that block us. I mean, I don't know. It, it's irritating that you can get the right call and then still proceed to mess the call up in VAR, or yeah, at least I mean, through the rules of VAR. And there's things. There's things. I don't think there. You you look at it in American sports and and all this. I mean, the idea of instant replay or virtual assistant referees is to get the call right, mm-hmm. to not leave something on the field of play. That impacts the game incorrectly. Now, does Connor Cody getting a yellow impact the game? No. You know, but it was one of those things that was like, I mean, that's the rule though, right? You're already there, right? You're there. Might as well just. And there was a couple other moments in that match. uh, I don't know if it was before or after that. Uh, Salah went down on an easy one where he he did some great work in the box. And then someone stepped over him and, and they just met flush and he went down and it was it was never a penalty but then with Connor Cody you know I mean that's you want to blame the player for doing it 
However, the way the matches have been called and the way the game has been officiated, not just this game, but the sport, mm-hmm. if you don't go down in the box, you don't get the call. Don't get the call. Nope. Furthermore, with VAR, if you're touched, go down. Mm-hmm. Because there is a chance that the contact will be ruled a foul, yeah. you know, by the letter of the law. So if you want to eliminate diving, if you want to eliminate Salah getting shot out of a cannon, mm-hmm. right? If you want to make Neymar never want to come to the Premier League, right? well, you, you got to stop calling these fouls this way where any contact is given. I mean, the idea in my mind is, is it a foul anywhere else on the field? That's how. Then it's a penalty. That's how it should be ruled. And we, I think we talked about this, if it wasn't last week, it was the week before, that that, you know, uh, they get a little uh, light-footed, referees do, when you, when people are in the box. A little touchy on, right. like, like they're trying to protect players where they, it seems like they might call fouls more more often on offensive players in the box. Whereas defensive players, they give more leeway to because okay, this is going to swing the game in a right. major way if I do this. Well, that's not, I don't really care. That's not, you shouldn't think that way. You should think, was that a foul? Wasn't it a foul? And then if if so, adjudicate the game accordingly. And again, you know, I'm not advocating for more penalties. And like you're saying, I mean, there, I mean you, it's almost like holding in, in American football. You can call it on every damn play if you want to. Mm-hmm. Multiple times on most of them. But does anybody want that, right? right. Not really. Right. That's kind of how it is in the like, box, you and, know. And also like in reviewing for yellow cards, right? And since it's not going to impact the game in a very demonstrable way, like sending somebody off or giving a penalty, you know, how many times does a game have to stop because the assistant referee in the uh, ear of the referee goes down and goes, hey, uh, number four on number 14, um, go look at it at the screen. We think there might be a yellow card there. Okay, well, you could probably do that for every time there's a some type of little scrum over the ball in the midfield, right? Or anytime Agreed. there's a short shirt pulled in the box on a corner. So, you know, stoppage of play for that type of nonsense, plus, but also Agreed. you want to get the call right. Yeah, and I, and like I said, I mean, that wasn't one of the ones. I, I, what would be interesting is, you know, if he was already on a yellow, right? right. So he's on, a, on his first yellow already. If I'm Jordan Henderson... And you've just waved this off because if you watch, they are all beside themselves mm-hmm. when he goes down. I mean, Henderson was hollering at Cody, and then they're hollering at what was it, Craig Pawson, I think. And they're like, "Are you like?" They're not yelling like, "No, no, no." I mean, they can't believe themselves. Yeah. And so, if I'm Henderson and you come back and you wait up, oh, no, no foul. I'm saying, okay, so that's his second yellow. Because mm-hmm. it was simulation, like we told you. He didn't touch him, and his legs went out, and his hands went up. It, it, it right. can't be anything other. It would be interesting to see what the rule would be. I feel like they would say that, well, you can't review. Right. They would, but at the same time. They would fall back can, on the rules and then would put their hands up and go, I can't do it. Sorry, I can't do it. At the same time, you can review a red, though, mm-hmm. right, for dangerous play. And I don't know, if is it is it only dangerous play? I think it's any red given. Or so not in that anything. instance, it would yeah. technically be a red on a second yellow. Yeah, but it wouldn't so be a straight red. I think it's straight reds are reviewable, not two yellows. Or so then yellow. my question would be why you know why is it okay to review a straight red mm-hmm. but not a yellow? Now agree agreed about picking everything out throughout the match and saying okay, yep. well maybe you maybe you dig drag down his you know his heel a little bit. That's a you can't have that. But no, 
it's one of those interesting situations where you can't think of it in a board meeting and then you see it in the match. You're like, I have no fucking answer for this. Right. There has <laughs> to be. I've got a... no clue what to do. Right. And, and, you know, maybe you could do, I mean, just spitballing. We, we, we have a lot of experience, us as Americans, in, in how to uh, uh, criticize how to fuck and, up games. And, yeah. Well, fine tune replay while we sit on our couch eating our potato chips. Um, but like something along the lines of reviewing crisps, crisps for all yes, of you, of course. Yeah. Uh, but like, like reviewing, um, like only reviewing yellow cards once given type of thing, play a stop. So while I'm writing down the card, it gives the assistant referee time in my ear to go, yep, that was good. That was good. Whatever. Or maybe not even reviewing all those, maybe only reviewing, uh, possible second yellows or yeah. given second yellow. So then if we okay, so here it is. If you only review given, not possible, but given second yellows, which result in a red card and a send off, you review that, and what that may do is referees be, may be more inclined to give a second yellow more often than not because they know they have a fail safe of I can overturn this or get this overturned if it shows to be incorrect. So I may be a little more willy nilly with with yellows going around for simulation and for anything else if it's on a second yellow because I can then go to the TV and go, you know what, that was a bit harsh. You don't need yeah, to book I mean, it on that. The issue, I think, with, with a lot of that is, you know, there's this theme of they can't make themselves look like they're incorrect. We, we've already seen that. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is because the game is so uh, different on the accumulation of fouls, that equally yellow. So it's kind of hard to say, you know, have someone in the booth or in Stockley Park mm. review it on its own without knowing, okay, well, is this, is this a hard foul that would have got a warning in the first eight minutes? Yeah. But he's been fouling and fouling and fouling. And now this is added up with these other ones after the first yellow and his warnings already. True. So yeah, it's imperfect. I mean, yeah, I mean, because I don't just, think I've ever seen a, a second yellow that was given for just accumulation of fouls. Unlike your first yellow, you get given for accumulation of fouls. And that is something that I hate hearing commentators say it. And you know it before they say it, but mm-hmm. they're like, gosh, man, you got to wonder if he's, if, you know. And, and you well, no, because sometimes like, you'll see the refs. They'll point across the field like one over there, one over there, one over there, one right here. That's a yellow. In the last 15 okay. minutes, you've been doing this. So here you go. I'm okay with that. My my issue is when the second yellow comes, right, where you, you know, a challenge is made and sometimes the ref is like seemingly hesitant to mm-hmm. impact a match mm-hmm. with two yellows. They don't want to look, you know, so gung-ho on just impacting the match. But if it's a foul, it's a foul, right? Yep. And I hate hearing that. I hate, like you said, within the box. I hate hearing, well, he doesn't want to. If it's a foul, it's a foul. Agreed. Call it and move on. But nice to see that they they got it right and overturned it. And uh, all's right in the world. So that brings us to the North London Derby. Mm. And always a fun matchup. Bad blood. We got... Two relatively new managers in their positions, and a team still now top of the table in Tottenham as they won two 0 over uh, over. I wish I was still at Man City, Mikel Arteta, and Arsenal. Mm-hmm. But like I said in the rundown, 
Son and Kane, Kane and Son. I mean, it's it's a match made. It in sounds heaven. like a law firm mm-hmm. right now. Kane and Son. They can't stop. No, they, they can't can. be stopped, and they're fun to watch when I'm being objective. Yes. When I stop and I'm being a fan, I just I can only hear Harry Kane breathing through his mouth all of the time, and I mm-hmm. I become upset. And yes. I, it's not fun anymore. It's fun when I see Son because he's just the cutest, right? He's, he's yeah. just and he, he runs around. Just, he's so happy all him. the time. You love to see it. Uh, I mean, it was uh, it was a fun game to watch. I mean, Son's opening goal. I mean, so Harry Kane gets the assist. I get that it's counted, it's credited. He really didn't do anything but pass. Yeah, it's it like to the him. second, yeah. It's like the second assist in hockey, right? Yeah. Okay, you're in the buildup, but you had nothing, nothing to, do to do with, with that play. end product. Son takes it, scampers about with it for about twenty yards, finds his way to the I don't know ten yards, fifteen yards away from the corner of the eighteen yard box, and just lets loose a. I don't even know what you want to call it. It wasn't so much a screamer as it just was the perfectly weighted, perfect. curled, round the keeper, in between the post, just, oh, chef's kiss. And I, I couldn't understand while watching that. It was like that Yerry Mina defensive play from Everton uh, in like match week two or three we talked about. Mm. They just kept giving ground. Yeah, they like, kept backing away. It, yeah. It's like It's like four on one right now mm-hmm. i mean granted there's two right there but your back line is all back stop stop seeding ground yeah, to him. collapse down on him if he beats like you he beats step you step up yeah. well if he beats you, you you've got other defense like you're yeah. still 30 some yards away Let's make up and like i'm not saying lunge in for a tackle but i mean they i mean you mm-hmm. saw he had zero pressure when he did when he looked down looked up and looked down again no one was within a space to decide, okay, I'm going to step in on this. Yeah. To the, they were fucking six yards away. No, so he turned. They, they could not do anything. Opened his hips and just let loose a, a flyer. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think he didn't have that in his bag or something. I mean, he doesn't I, do that often, but. <laughs> I don't understand. Uh, you know, they, and and the funny thing is, they were on the back foot for that first mm-hmm. 11, 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that Arsenal was really asking questions. They had a lot of misses, a couple of skies. Saka had one. I think uh, Yang had one. I mean, it was like later. But there was a few where they had shots. They were in Tottenham zone, which isn't, you know, not too surprising. No. You know, Jose is kind of going to sit back. He's going to get everything organized, not allow the game and the moment and the derby to get too big for what his tactics are. Yeah, I mean, he's never going to change the tactics on the occasion. Yeah, he'll let them settle into the match, and then the game will slowly open up for him. Well, and and to be fair, it was basically a counterattack. It was a weird counterattack, but it basically was. I mean, the ball, it wasn't a corner, but it was just a cross into the box. It gets bumped out to Kane, who's standing about Kane 20 yards outside. Whips it, it around backwards. Yeah. yeah, and just sends it across the, the halfway line to Son, on, who's on the left wing, and he just trots his way up to the to the box and slings one in there. I mean, it's, it is it is basically exactly what Jose Mourinho would have drawn up on the, on the training pitch if he could have done that. I mean, yeah, I sit mean, back, absorb the pressure. And then have a three three pass outlet to get you to the other half of the pitch to then. Yeah, score. it was something that was you know they were in the position. Harry Kane is deeper. 
Mm -hmm. and Son is ready to run on the wing and then pull defenders wide, you know, and then the defense just made a mess of it, and he was able to take it. What I really, excuse me, what I really liked was the second goal, and the movement in between them, uh, and it's not much, there wasn't, what I'm focused on was Son's stepping up to allow the overlap behind him, Mm -hmm. and allowing, knowing that the defense is going to collapse down on him. Just that half step, that two steps or whatever between the two defenders, you know, allowing them to come to him and then to play the simple overlap Mm -hmm. behind him to Harry Kane within a relatively tight area. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were inside the box, Uh, but it's just really good positional awareness of knowing that I have to make him available by knowing the space that I'm occupying and the space that these defenders will have to address if i just do this mm-hmm. and it wasn't like he made a darting run no he literally just, just took a step continued towards. to slow and it was so slow too mm-hmm. I and mean, he just continued to slowly drift in towards them to the point where they had to step up which they didn't do the first time when they were you know 30 yards away yeah uh where they had to step up and identify and mark him and then he just played it and you know you, you never want to let anything in on on your short post and your near post. No, but you're not, you're not stopping that. No, that I was, mean, he banged that into the roof. I yeah. Mean, that was a howitzer from six yards out. So, I mean, there's not much. Yeah. You can't do anything, but what was even more uh, noteworthy of that goal is that Arsenal were effectively down to 10 men as yeah. Thomas Partey, Thomas Partey was seems down. to have re-aggravated that thigh injury that some people said, they kind of brought him back a little quick on. Mm-hmm. So, did you see how that went down, though? I, I mean, didn't not, see not when he heard it. Yeah, I didn't see did. how he how he heard it. I, I went watching the replays of the build up and then the pass. I just saw him on the ground as they were marauding forward. Well, so he starts to come. So this is like right at halftime, right? Mm-hmm. And so yep. he starts to walk off the pitch. Yeah, and he's pointing to the bench, and Arteta then kind of like pushes him back out as they're as Spurs are coming forward which one didn't look good no. but when you think about it a little more it's like have I have you ever seen a player walk off the pitch injured in the run of play no you go down right you just sit down right you're like an old cow who's just too tired to go on can't stand up anymore. and you Go down on your front legs and then let your big ass set down and just lay mm-hmm. wherever you are. Just lay down. Because also, <laughs> I mean, in addition, A, if you are hurt, don't stop moving. I don't want you aggravating additionally whatever injury you have. Second thing, they're probably, especially you, they're already a goal up. It's almost halftime. They're going to kick the ball out of bounds. Or even if they don't, but they might. There's the. And that, yeah, well, so that's a thing, right? Yeah, you walking gingerly out of bounds, yeah. they're not going to do anything. The referee's not going to blow the whistle. No. Uh and and then give a a, a replay free kick. They you know, they're not going to play it out. No. It didn't look good from Arteta though, kind of. And he even said in the post match like he mentioned that, you know, I wanted to go down. Mm-hmm. But he also said, you know, in that moment in the gravity we wanted him out there. I mean, and he tried to like jog back on. So I'm not sure the severity of it, but I believe that was an injury that he had prior that he had just come back from. Uh, I can't imagine that man saying, I left Atletico Madrid to die for this shit. Yeah, probably not. I mean, 
I mean, they, they have lost six of their opening 11 matches, and things are not looking good. No, they're not. And, I mean, you even switch, push forward to the second half. I mean, Arsenal had their fair share of chances to get back into the game. I mean, Aubameyang, after signing that contract, can could not, I don't care how much money they paid him, he cannot buy a goal. No, he can't. He really can't. And and they're in the box. They're getting crosses in. They it looked a decent game. It it was starting to open up for them uh, in the first maybe fifteen to twenty minutes of the second half, and then again at the end of the end of the second half, they just couldn't stick the ball in the back of the net. They were they were having tons of joy in the final third, except for the goal. They just couldn't. All they needed was to steal. It sounds one like back. me in high school, man. It sounds like me in high school. <laughs> I was having a great time. I just could not fight. Could not close it. Could not close oh, the deal. And, and that, that's them. And, and so, I mean, you look at what Arteta's brought in, bringing in party. Willian came in on a free. I mean, Aubameyang signing a new contract. So they, they have these these tools in the midfield uh, and up top. David Luiz didn't start. I mean, thank God, because he probably would have let in three more goals. Um, but I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't see where 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 what we see with Frank Lampard and maybe not necessarily a system, but at least the players are playing together type of thing. That's what yeah, I don't we, see at Arsenal. Yeah, we kind of touched on it last week where we had said, "Well, you kind of see what they're trying to do," and then now as the season's gone on and it hasn't proliferated anymore, yeah. you're like, "Okay, I think they've only got to the we want to pass out of the back part." Yes, that's what. That's the only thing that's concrete that I know that they want to do. We want to pass out of the back, and yeah. after that. Fuck if I know. Just get it over that way somewhere. Just north. Yeah. Just go north with it. <laughs> so Tottenham's, you know, back head of the table again. Uh, Liverpool did cut into their goal differential um, by a bit. So I think Liverpool's back like five goals now or so after that 4-0. Um, so things, uh, things are really tight at the top. Uh, Chelsea's up there. Leicester's still there. United is now starting to creep up. Man City's up there. I believe uh, Southampton is still there after mm-hmm. their three points this week. So very tight. Um, going to be interesting as, again, Christmas continues to take off. But not sure why we didn't do this the whole time. So we're going to kind of change it up. Well, hang on before I get to it. Do you have a top boy of the week? Uh because I, I have one. All right, well, go ahead with yours first. I'm... And it's it's a little bit more from my heart, right? A little bit more subjective instead of objective. Mm-hmm. But Quavine Kelleher, the 19-year-old debutant goalkeeper for Liverpool. So he started in the midweek uh, in the Champions League. Young Irishman, uh, kept a clean sheet against Ajax, and then gets his Premier League debut on the bounce against Wolves and keeps a clean sheet against Wolves. Had a couple of nice little saves, a couple of nice gathers, uh, some really good punches, some really good goalkeeping awareness. There was probably better performances throughout the weekend, but he's displaced Adrian, which you now have a place in my heart, Kelleher, and he looks the part for a 19-year-old kid. It's the kind of thing that you want, you know, a 300,000-pound goalie that all of a sudden looks... Like he's got tons of talent and can be your number two and your, you know, your league goalkeeper for mm-hmm. when you're in the league cup to then just sit behind Allison and learn and to mature by the time he's, you know, 
22, 23, 24, you know, it's probably about the time where Allison is, I don't say on his way out, but towards the end of his, you hope that those overlap properly and you've got your new keeper in waiting. I mean, that's where I'm at with Dean Henderson. He's getting a couple starts in. Start him. Yeah. He's, he, he had a, he had his first Premier League start. He had a, he had a different, a start for a league cup nonsense, whatever. But, uh, so I'm, I was kicking around two, but I think I'm going to stick with uh, uh, Young Men's Song because that goal was just, I mean. I, yeah, it was amazing. I don't know. I can't. I, you could score four goals because the other guy I was I was thinking about was uh, Wilfred Zaha coming back. First game back in the side, puts a brace up. I mean, I, I get it was uh, Eastern Nightclub FC and they were not looking the best at the time. But, um, I mean, Zaha is just the man at that club right now. I still can't understand why he's still there, but props to him. Props to him. Yeah, but but I think but Son. I mean, I, those types of goals only come around. I don't know once or twice a season, so those are always yeah. nice to see. So Absolutely. Son, it is. I've got an entry for. There was actually probably two possible entries for shit housery moment of the week. Indeed. Um, the one I'm going to go with is uh, Jose Mourinho in his post match press conference, and. Uh, he says, I admire Mikel a lot. He's a great coach. It's no surprise he learned from Pep Guardiola. Unfortunately, they both have lost 2-0 to my Spurs. <laughs> the absolute shade. I mean, I, I mean Jose is, is, is the king of post-match interviews after he wins. <laughs> I like, to be fair, I like this. Ho- this Jose is like having fun. It's nice the to Amazon see Amazon Prime thing. Like he looks... He doesn't look like a miserable bastard right yeah. now. I mean, being top of the league's got to help. So he's almost like he's like Inter Jose, but not the I'm a young brash asshole. Mm-hmm. He's like seasoned. He's better. He's relaxed because he's probably got to watch the blood pressure a little bit. That's mm-hmm. what happens when you get old. Got the red meat, but back. he's still got that cheeky edge. I mean. It's easier to do when you're top of the league, right? And Indeed. you don't have to answer to Manchester United media and, and you know things like that when things aren't going great. That makes it a lot less easy to be cheeky and fun. Mm-hmm. But now, I thought it was well, when he's on the top of his game as he is right now, both in managing football but also his cheekiness in, in the interviews, it's it's a joy to watch. It really is. Um so that's a good shout. Um, I'm going with, uh, uh, so we have two this week, which I think might be the first time we've done this. I do. Um, I do think so. So I'm going with, uh, Jamie Vardy, uh, securing the winner over Sheffield and then karate sliding, smashing to little bits, the corner flag, the, the, the the boyhood fan, uh, of Sheffield Wednesday secures a winner. Sheffield United. No, I know, but he is a fan of oh, Sheffield oh, Wednesday, yes, yes, yes. in-city rival yes. of Sheffield yes. United. Gets the winner, smashes the corner flag to bits. Um, yeah, I mean. You love to see it. You do. Yes, you do. Good deal, good deal. All right, so I'm going to run down what we, have, um, what we have coming up next week. We're not going to talk Champions League right now. The wound is too fresh for Alex, yes. and the question mark still exists. Uh, with PSG and Istanbul's match being postponed to, if you're listening on Wednesday, presumably uh, like 6 p.m. UK time. Uh, so we'll hit that next week and we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so looking forward 
to next week. I'm going to run through the matches, and then we're going to do a little bit of extra sauce on it. So Friday, uh, to start off, we've got Leeds and West Ham in the afternoon matchup. Uh, and then we have a split split weekend, right? Um, so Saturday uh, starts with Wolves hosting Villa at 7.30. Newcastle hosts Eastern European Nightclub FC at 10. United hosts City, so your derby is up at 12.30. And then Everton hosts Chelsea at uh, 3 o'clock. On Sunday, Southampton hosts Sheffield at 7. Palace hosts Spurs at 9.15. Fulham hosts Liverpool at 11.30. Arsenal hosts Burnley at 2.15, and Leicester hosts Brighton at 2.15 as well. So I'm not sure why we didn't do this the whole time, Mm -hmm. but let's start giving our picks on this, and we'll kind of tabulate them through the week, and then one of us uh, will be the victor, and one of us will be the loser. Uh, Very well and possible and probably probable will both be under 500, so Mm. in essence both be losers, but one just more than the other. Correct. So first matchup is Leeds hosting West Ham. So give me who you got and, and what your scoreline is on that. Well, so just for tiebreaker's sake, right? Yeah. So this is a um it's actually I think gonna be an interesting game and a fun game to watch. Um I think West Ham, even though they're coming off this defeat to United, uh they still Man, they scored more goals than Leeds did uh, mm-hmm. last weekend. Uh, so I think West Ham's going to take this one. I mean, West Ham's got three wins out of their last five. It's bookended with losses. Um, Leeds has one win and a draw on their last five and three losses. Um, Leeds is favorited here on the scoreline that we're seeing. But, yeah, I, I think West Ham's going to uh, uh, gonna show up. Yeah, same here. Um, weird, weird thing to look at is that Leeds is one, two, and two when they're at home. Uh, haven't played well at home. Um, they're three and three away, so it's not that they've played great away either. But um, I think West Ham. I don't know. I think they've got a little bit more structure. I think they can do it. Um, I'm sorry. Did you did you give me your scoreline on it, or did you just pick your winner? I just picked winner. All right, we'll have to. We'll, we'll, let's do this. We'll pick one match a week to do a uh, a score on, right? So we'll do one match a week to do a score on because we'll need a tiebreaker thing. Yeah, that'll for that, the week. Yeah, okay? that'll tiebreak us. That's what we'll do. Yeah. And so we'll pick that on the fly. But I have West Ham also over Leeds, so we're we're both in lockstep there. Uh, next match will be um, Wolves are hosting Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. Who you got? Um, I'm going to take uh, Aston Villa here. I think Wolves thrashing over the weekend. Um, again, it, it is to Liverpool, but uh, Aston Villa has a had a rest week um, this past weekend, so I think they're going to come out flying and, and ready to party here against Wolves. Yeah. So uh, another odd odd one. Uh, Aston Villa is three and one away from home. However, they've got. Uh, back-to-back losses on each side of a win for their last five. So they've been in a, a bit of a downturn here. So I'm going to take Wolves to bounce back. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a very aesthetic game. I think it'll be uh, a scrap match at the Molyneux. I don't think uh, Nuno is going to let them get exposed again. So probably, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see a draw here, but I'm going to take, take Wolves. Um, 
Newcastle. Newcastle and Eastern European Nightclub FC. So Newcastle and Villa, they were the two that did not play this week. West Brom, or excuse me, Eastern European Nightclub FC probably wishes they didn't play. Mm. Um, Newcastle's favored on this, obviously. Um, but again, neither in the greatest bit of form. Who are you going for? Uh, I'm going to stick with Newcastle. Uh, it's kind of similar reasoning to the last matchup. I, I mean, I don't know what uh, Nightclub FC's. I don't know what they're going to do over the midweek. Slavon Bilic is going to have to sort something out with that team. They can't get a goal to save their life. They can't stop the goals. I mean, I don't know. They're going to have to start sacrificing firstborns or something because whatever they're doing now isn't working. Um, Newcastle, um, I don't know. I, I feel like having the week off, having another week to prepare, and just not getting thrashed over the weekend helps your mental capabilities. Oh, always coming. a nice boost, right? <laughs> um, I'm going to... I'm going to buck the trend here. I'm going to look for a draw. I'm I'm hoping that I I think this is just I'm picking with my heart. I can't go as far as to say a win, but I'm going to I'm going to go for a shared points of the two. I think uh a 1-1 or a 0-0 wouldn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. On to your uh onto your baby this weekend, the the Manchester Derby. So, my rule of thumb uh, when it comes to sports betting, is never bet on your own team. I don't bet Amen. against them. I don't yep. bet for them. I don't yep. wager any money on hometown teams because it never works the way you want it to. Um, however, in this instance, I apparently have to. Um, see, this this is why I don't wager on teams because then the bad juju goes out into the atmosphere, exactly. and I like can't that, yeah. I can't yeah. have that happen. But so uh, just, if if I'm an, an objective person, it's it's city. Um, city's gonna win. Um, I just hope it's not too embarrassing. <laughs> you know, if this was at Manchester City, you'd stand a better chance, as you guys are five and zero away from the theater of memes. Indeed. However, you are one three and one in your own place of business. Not great. Yeah. So, um, uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You know what? Fuck it. No, up down rule. We're gonna go with the up down rule. You guys uh, had a bad day today. This we did. Manchester City had a great weekend this past weekend. I'm taking Ole at the wheel, and 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 because we've seen it, you mm-hmm. guys clipped him last year, three times. And this is what you guys have done this year: is up down, up down, right? And this is the perfect get Ole an extension type of game. At least secure him through the rest of the season, which. I'd love to see what it. would secure him is is a a, a PSG loss to Besiktas and then a big win on the weekend at City. That's right. That's, That's right. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> I'm getting in the car and Ole's at the wheel for me. All God right. help me. God help me. All right, let's do let this this next one will be our tie break. So I want your score on this one too. Okay. So Everton is hosting Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea big favorites on here. I mean, they're like minus 130, Everton's plus 330. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Chelsea. They are undefeated in their last five, four wins and a draw. Everton, like I said, is currently trying to hold water between their fingers. That was their early season triumphs. Uh, they've got a draw, a loss, a win, and two losses on their last five. Who you got? Um, so I'm going to take Chelsea uh, over Everton. Um, and this will be uh, a three-one affair. 
Um, and if I can be so bold, uh, Everton's one goal is going to come late. They're going to go three down early, and then they're just going to squeak one back at some point in the second half, and that'll be that. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you something close. I'm gonna go Chelsea two uh, one, and I think Everton's goal comes early. I think mm-hmm. it's the I think it's the Burnley special, right? Get up early. Let's and nick then one, and then apart. have no fucking clue what to do the rest of the match. Correct. So, so yeah, I've got I got Chelsea two one over Everton. So we like I could pick Everton in that. I mean, Jordan Pickford's still in goal. Let me check. Yeah, nope, nope, not taking them. Not no, a chance. No. You couldn't no, you. you couldn't give me short money to take him. All right, so we've got Southampton and uh, Sheffield to start Sunday's mm-hmm. matches. So Southampton, obviously, huge favorites here. Sheffield, four goals on the season and a single point. Uh, and they go up against Danny Ings. I don't need to tell you how bad Sheffield has been on their last five. Uh, Southampton, however, is undefeated in their last five. Two draws and three wins in there. Yeah, so, I mean... These last few games, I think, are, are going to be pretty straightforward. Uh, Southampton, I mean, I don't think there's any way that Sheffield, they have four goals this entire season. Danny Ings is back. He's scoring penalties again. I mean, I don't see where the light comes for Sheffield here. Yeah, no need to toil on this one either. Yeah. Southfield is, or Southfield, Southampton as well. All right, moving on to uh, our good friend, the Battle of the Birds, mm. including the Owl, Roy Hodgson, his Crystal Palace host, league leader Tottenham. Uh, Obviously, big money favorites on Tottenham. We got, yeah, it's going to be Tottenham. I don't think uh, uh, Christian Benteke is getting a brace on this one. I'll be surprised if he even shows up on the pitch. Um, but yeah, Tottenham. Same here, same here. Moving along, moving along. Fulham. Uh, they host Liverpool. Big money favorites. I mean, Fulham's like plus seven hundred here. I um, mean, if I put my mortgage on Fulham and we pay and it pays out. Eh, well, I now mean, you're talking. Now you're talking. Scared money don't make money. That's yeah, right. I, I, well, we're both on there. Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, Liverpool. Let's yeah. get real. Yeah. Um. All right. So a couple, couple, a uh, couple nice treats to to pick between Leicester hosting Brighton. Yeah, Brighton. Brighton's having a little bit of a fun these last couple of maybe not. Um. Yeah, I mean, what they they have one loss in their last five, three draws and a win. Um, they're having a little bit of fun here. I think. Um, but I don't think there's anything that's going to stop Lester. Jimmy Vardy, he's getting a little shit or he's always a little shit or but uh, I don't think uh, Brighton's going to be able to withstand uh, Lester charging at him. I'm going to look the other way. I think this is Brendan Rodgers' letdown here. I think something weird happens. He comes out with one of those stupid Brendan Rodgers lineups. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put our godson on the map, Tariq Lamptey, masterclass incoming. I'm gonna take Brighton to to spoil Lester. All right. And then uh, last match of the weekend is Arsenal hosting uh, Sean Dyche and Burnley. Yeah, so uh, uh, you only have one so far, and so now I'm going to take my one. I think this is going to be a draw. Now, I don't think it's going to be a goal list draw. I'm thinking 1-1. One, one. Um, but yeah, uh, and you know, I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. A Burnley special, an early goal, or maybe they nick one back after an Arsenal early goal. I don't know. Yeah. Um, that almost the latter feels almost almost better. That Burnley yeah. they come swinging back here in the last ten minutes of the match and dog one back. I've got a I've got a Burnley win here. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how Arsenal do after such a lackluster performance and down week. 
Um, if Burnley can keep it ugly and keep it at a draw, at a nil-nil draw through 45, I mean, you got the questions are going to continue to creep into players' heads. Um, it's at Arsenal, so there should be fans in the stands. So after the North London Derby, and then if they come out and they're not looking great, I mean, I know fans just were let back into stands, but you know how fickle fans are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they will... They will let you know. And if Sean Dyche can, you know, muddy the waters and turn the Emirates into Passchendaele, you know, you can see you can see one of those just 75th minute, 78th minute, Nick one in, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's 1-0. What the hell, we're losing to Burnley at home. I mean, as much as is, is in your head saying Arsenal versus Burnley, you know, of course you lean Arsenal no matter really what's going on at the club. But... Sean Dyche isn't anybody to mess with when you're talking about tactics on the pitch. He knows who his opponents are. He knows how they're going to be lined up. And he's going to devise a plan of attack. And his players are going to follow him into battle and, and execute it. Um, if, if if Arteta doesn't get his boys in line and sort out what's going on there, um, both in the midfield attack, really, throughout the pitch, I don't know. Yeah, you could definitely see a spoiler coming from Burnley. And I think we both have that. I don't we both don't have them losing. So Agreed. Agreed. Um we're gonna need to do this though. Uh we also so Christmas fixtures are showing up. So Tuesday we have two matches. Mm-hmm. Now it'll technically be the next week. However, we will be recording Tuesday night. So in the interest of um being completely uh honest with all of you we'll uh let's pick these right now yep they're they're one one's a good one to pick and one's <laughs> it's easy so wolves are hosting this will be tuesday the 15th wolves they host chelsea and then man city hosts west brown or eastern european nightclub fc excuse me yeah so um chelsea are favored against wolves i think uh, uh you know in Unless something happens over the weekend, somebody gets hurt, or they get outrageously embarrassed, or something rather, you know, I think I think Chelsea's going to pretty handily deal with Wolves. I got Wolves. I need a Nuno special here. All right. um, I'll put Wolves down, and I'm pretty sure we both have as much as we want to take Slavon and his Eastern European nightclub, uh, Man City. I think uh, I pretty confident I can put you down for that as well. Yeah, yeah, you can. You, you know, you All know right. who you know what needs to happen. For for West Brom Eastern Night Club uh, FC is they need to get John Joe Shelby. There you go. They he need would, yeah, a, they, they don't have an enforcer. What have you have you ever been to an Eastern European nightclub and where there wasn't a scary bald enforcer yeah. wandering I feel around? Too safe. I feel too safe at this nightclub. Yeah, I need to feel less safe. Exactly. This is true. This is true. The man carries I, a knife in his in his sock. So I mean, <laughs> he could score or he could stab you. You never know. <laughs> All right, good deal, good deal. All right, well, I uh, I enjoyed it. Had a good week. Um, I'd say I'm pulling for you tomorrow, but I don't know that that's the case, but we'll see. Um, so, again, we've been talking about it the past couple of weeks. Christmas is here, so there's going to be a lot to rap about, uh, but we're excited. So yeah, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be interesting and fun coming up, especially with fans back in the stadiums. We'll see how long it lasts. But, uh, you know, knock on wood there. That's right. That's right. And I love the fact that it was just in time for Liverpool to come back and sing Merry Christmas Everton, which is always a fan favorite of Mm. ours. But anyways, 
Thanks again, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm Alex. And this is Top Drawer.